You're listening to Off the X with your host Tyler Wells, Forrest Carvajal, and Barrett Moon. Brought to you by Trinity Gunworks, Makers Call Company, Be Heard, and Wellens Land, Arkansas's premier recreational real estate group. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Off the X Podcast. I'm Forrest Carvall, and I'm here with my best good friends, the bourbon boy, Barrett Moon, and the senior shore shot, if I can get my words out, Tyler Wells. Oh, we have got a fun show tonight. We're going to be back to a little bit of a normal episode here. We've got a bourbon review. We've got an outstanding duck call to review later, and we've got a guest, Mr. Mig, Michael Meredith himself. How are you, sir? Pretty good about yourself. I'm feeling a lot better after I've had a few sips of this bourbon right here. Um, Barrett, do you want to go ahead and start this off? Yeah, tonight we uh, got our hands on a, a pretty good little bottle of uh, Blanton's. Um, it is uh, definitely one of the higher-end bourbons we've had on our podcast, uh, mainly just because we're all cheap and we don't like to spend the money. So <laughs> No doubt. Exactly. I think everybody fits that bill. Yeah. <laughs> so we saved the best bottle for the guy that won Best Call and uh, Best of Show. Best of show. And uh, brought it out tonight. So, everybody, uh, give me your feedback. Out of 10, what do you got on it, Forrest? Oh, shoot. shoot. I've got Tyler, you go for me. All right. Well, I'm going to give it up there probably, I don't know, eight and a half, nine for me. Uh, I mean, when you smell it, it smells kind of honey, a little bit of floral note to it. It's caramel smell. And I mean, taste is pretty well right there with it for me. It comes in there. It's, you know, it's got that oak, charred oak kind of taste to it to me, a little bit of leather in there. And then you go into your floral notes, and I mean, again, it goes back to the uh, cloves and stuff like that for He's me. Getting getting technical. Ooh. Okay, mine's going to be a little bit more simple. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. I've had this two or three times. It's, so, it's I mean, pretty. I've, this is the first time I've had it. Well, I just been um, over Barrett's a lot. It's <laughs> it's really good. It's really good. I borderline nine. I'm, okay. I'm just okay. a little bit little yeah. bit below nine. Now I say that. My allergies are flared up. I'm probably not getting a full good taste of it. I got no smell of it. You're missing the, out on some of those clothes he was talking yep. about. <laughs> yeah. Does the price tag affect that at any? Does the price tag? No, 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 okay. no not okay. at all. Hey, some um, people, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like we did the Angels Envy, and it was expensive, but I, I, I probably won't buy any of that ever again mm-hmm. because I didn't like it. Um, this is smooth. This is good. Like I could gladly drink this one dry almost every time. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, just, just under a nine for me. I think maybe if I could taste it a little bit more, I might go more than nine. Mm-hmm. But it's good. Okay. It's good. I think somebody missed Michael's class. Yeah. Uh, did we pour <laughs> one for Michael? Gone. <laughs> it, there, was, there was enough in there to cover the bottle. I got one drink. Get another th- uh, no, Get I'm a thumb good. of it. I'm good. I got to drive home here in a little uh, bit. Well, I mean, I don't plan on drinking that much. Um, I'm not quite as technical on my no, bourbon as you guys are, but I can drink that. I'm, I usually don't drink straight. Yeah. yeah, you can drink that straight pretty easily. Yeah, it's, oh, yeah. it's going down really good right now. <laughs> I mean, it don't have much of a burn to it. So what? What's know? it take to get a ten from you guys? Then oh, I haven't found nothing it yet. gets a ten. It's kind of like the perfect duck call. There's always something. Yeah, like that. I probably I, gonna. I really probably gonna know. be out there. Uh, to me, my closest ten is that red breast twelve. That's we like, haven't that's even done. That. I haven't even. I haven't had any of it. Yeah, so we need to do that one. I thought we did do that one, but mm-hmm. anyways, back to the Blantons. So, if you are a fan of Buffalo Trace or Weller, this is kind of all in the same family. Um, I'm going to give it a. This is a solid nine, um, mainly just because this is this is kind of their top of the line bourbon out of that distillery. Um, it is very smooth. It it goes down easy. Uh, it's got the same notes, the same features 
pictures of Weller, like any of the Weller labels or the Buffalo Trace, it's just honestly, it's a smoother delivery. It's mm-hmm. real smooth. Yeah. It is. The it bottle is, is awesome too. I've ever drank. Yeah, yeah. The the cool thing about the Blanton's deal is it, it's it's a collector's thing. I mean, a lot of guys collect the uh, yeah the horses on top the the caps. Um, there's it's kind of like a uh, what's the one with the keys? Like you can collect all five keys or whatever. I can't remember the name of that one, but Blanton's kind of similar deal. Like there's different there's there's different stages yeah there's of different the horse. stages of the horse. Yeah, so it's it's kind of a, a neat deal. And that's a ninety three proof. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, yeah, and it's that smooth. smooth. Don't have any burn. Yeah, real smooth. No, not at all. So. That's better than the crown I normally drink. <laughs> 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 no, but we uh we we're gonna enjoy this one tonight. So uh, absolutely. So, Mister Meredith, yes, sir. Tonight's first night you've met Barrett, and tonight's first night you've met Tyler. You and I have hung out just just a little bit in your shop, yep. kind of talk duck hunting. Yes, sir. How did you get into duck hunting? Um. Had a buddy and and caught one of my best friends and and all through high school got me to go in college. I never I never duck hunted until really the year I got married. Um, so my wife and I got married in September of two thousand and eight, and uh, two thousand is eight is when I started duck hunting. Two thousand and eight. That's when you started duck hunting. Yes, sir. Wow. Really? Yes, sir. Okay. Wow. I mean, I've we've all I've always hunted. My dad yeah. was a rabbit hunter. We had rabbit beagles and all right, that stuff. Right. As a kid, mm-hmm. and we were always rabbit hunting, deer hunting, squirrel hunting coons i mean you name it if it if it moved we hunted it when we were kids mm-hmm. but we never duck hunted my dad was adamant about how insane duck hunters were to go out there in cold weather standing <laughs> line. I was like, you know what that makes pretty pretty good sense to me yeah. if it's 15 degrees and you're busting ice ain't no way you can be warm it right can be fun. <laughs> right so we never did it and i, I want to say i went once or twice in high school just and it, we didn't get any any birds we were hunting like wash that's how we like really wash we hunted open water. Mm-hmm. Um, you shot divers. They yeah. killed golden eyes, you know, ringnecks, mm-hmm. stuff like that. We didn't. There were no mallards. Which nothing. A golden like eye is a cool bird, though. There's a lot of people in Arkansas that haven't killed a golden. Well, we don't. Eye. We don't get to see them much anymore. You guys hunt those lakes enough. to kill yeah. one. We see them on the river up there around the house, flying down the Arkansas River yeah. all the time. I've never killed one, but I've got all of my buddies that were going to Washita, hunting points, hunting big water. Would go out there and shoot the. Fire out of the scout. They would kill ringnecks. Every now and then they'd kill some widgeon, which seemed now looking back on it, it was weird to me that they kill widgeon on Washtenaw, but they used to kill the fire out of widgeon on Lake Washtenaw. Back when I grew where I grew up in Texarkana, we actually killed a lot of widgeons in open water. I don't know exactly why either, but that was that was one bird that when we hunted our big open water spot down there, we would kill widgeons down there too. They, they, they used to kill them all the time. Grand. I didn't know what I didn't know the difference in any of them except for a mallard. I knew right. what a mallard and a wood duck was because yeah. they flew the creek on the farm. Um, I got to college. Some of the guys that I was working with, the my boss on the golf course that I was what working college? with, I went to Arkansas Tech. I graduated Arkansas Tech. Arkansas Tech. Um, my boss was a big duck hunter, and I, I don't know. We just they talked me into going one day, and I can remember very vividly. We went to Lake Nimrod. Nimrod has a big uh, green tree reservoir on the backside mm-hmm. of it that used to be really good. Used to you could really kill a bunch of birds on. Have the trees stayed flooded for too long there? <laughs> <laughs> just his just face. a question. His face. <laughs> I think they've got bigger issues there than than, than the trees. Than the trees. <laughs> but um, I can remember us walking in on the backside of some of that. The, where they flooded the duck pond 
It's a guy I didn't know. I still don't. Rem- I don't remember his name, but he, he was friends with a buddy of mine in college, and I can remember watching him work a bunch of birds, and I just was infatuated with it. You know, I love turkey hunting. I love calling turkeys. I could go call turkeys and let somebody else shoot them all year long. I would rather call in a turkey and let somebody else kill it and shoot it myself. Same thing with the ducks. I go duck hunting to, to blow my duck call and watch my dog work. Um, but I can remember the first time I he worked a bunch of ducks in through the trees and we shot them, and I just fell in love with it. And it was, you know, one of those deals where I said, I've got to learn how to blow duck call. Didn't know if I'd ever go duck hunting or not. Again, I was like, I've got to learn how to blow duck call, and that's kind of where it started. It's interesting how so many people, like, they'll see – that aspect of duck hunting, the duck calling part of it. Yep. See somebody call some ducks to the trees and like, I want to learn how to do that. Absolutely. I want to duck hunt because of that. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, that's one of the only things that duck hunting has that everything else doesn't. I mean, you can call deer and you can, I guess you can it's call very, turkey. It's different. But it's it's just very different interaction. I would I would relate it more to turkey hunting than deer hunting. Yeah. Or yeah. like elk. An yeah. elk would be, I've never elk hunted, but I would imagine an elk would be the same way because yeah. you get after a bull that's bugling. He's talking back. He's communicating the whole way. That's the that's the thrill of it for me. Those make such a weird noise for such a big animal. <laughs> I mean, you would think it'd be like a growl, and it's this whiny, high pitch, high pitch yeah. sound. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand elk. Anyhow, so 2008, you started duck hunting. Yep. And when when did you learn to blow a duck call? How long did it take you? Oh gosh. <laughs> Um, First off, how old were you in 08 when you started? Uh, Dad got me 22. Okay. 22. You're making me do math. Oh, I died. <laughs> After he's had whiskey. Yeah. 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 I, I've got shoes on today, so I can't <laughs> use the toes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, 22 is when was is when I started, we, when we got into hunting. We were going to buy meat at the end. Okay. Pretty much every weekend, my that's wife, a trek from Russellville. Well, we were leaving out of Jesseville. Oh, okay. okay. So, um, <coughs> I was living in Clarksville. Uh, all of my buddies were still. None of my friends at the time were married. Everybody would go back home on a weekend, stay with their mom and dad. So my wife and I would go home on Friday nights, stay at my mom and dad's. We would leave Saturday morning from the gas station in Jesseville at. 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock. <laughs> I was say, you didn't get much sleep if you no, lived from Jesseville. We, we didn't. And we would drive to buy. We were the first ones at the boat ramp. We'd be at the boat ramp at 3.30 every morning. we put in at... Wouldn't be the, the first ones now. No. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and it, it was crazy, too, because all the, the like, the the, the double ditches and, and the mm-hmm. Hallowell and all that. And we were putting in on the other side of the, the place. Yeah. Never had any trouble. There might be six or eight boats where we were there at the time. And we'd go in, and we would just make it put a hurting on them mm-hmm. come out we go in five guys shoot 15 ducks be done by eight thirty. come back out did you have to use an old duck call to do it no <laughs> i didn't even know what an old duck call was at the time i can tell you right now i had the first duck call i ever bought aside from like a, a dr85 was a was a hedge timbery yeah. rnt timbery oh man mm-hmm. yeah you still have that one Sold that one, but I've got two more since then. I had to. Tyler has one of those too. He's got a hedge timber. I've got a stickered. So mine wasn't one of the stickered ones. It was after they started engraving them. Yeah. I've got a stickered one now, and it it actually sounds really, really good. Yeah, mine's stickered. You might have to go over there and show them yours. Tyler's is the stickered one, but doesn't have the sticker. Yeah. I don't. Careful with you talking about showing things. That's. 
You get in trouble there, can't you? Huh. Guys showing things. Oh, I mean, that's what I just hear. Anyhow. So you learned on... on I bought it. I had a Timbery, and then the next call I bought was a daisy cutter. And That's a big jump, like as far as yep. skill level yep. from a Timbery to a daisy cutter. And, and my wife picked it out. She thought, this is how much my wife knew about calls and hunting in general... She thought the acrylic ones would be cheaper than the wood calls. And she's like, oh, that blue one's pretty. Why don't you get it? I said, that works. So I've, And I've still got it. Um, that'll be one that I'll give to one of my boys at some point if that's what they decide they want to do. How many boys do you have? I have two. You have two. How old are they? 11 and 7. 11 and 7. Are they obsessed with it yet? My oldest one is obsessed with the hunting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I haven't got either one of them really into the calling yet, okay. which is kind of frustrating, but I'm not going to push them. Yeah. You know. Ours, the more you push them, the more you push them away from it. Mm-hmm. Ours aren't quite old enough. We took ours on a hunt. All all three of us took ours on a hunt once this year. And I don't think we fired a shot. We spent more time fighting with dogs, and the kids were just running around in the woods playing. And it we sounded just, like a circus out there. Oh, yeah. it was a circus. And the, yeah. the hardest thing of it is to be somebody that's been in it since you were a kid and, and are all about going and, and putting on a show and the killing just – to have to tone that back and just make it where the kids have fun. Oh yeah. If oh, they the get, kids had fun. You know, if they if they get cold, all right, we'll we'll go do something right. different. If they get tired, you know, don't it's like taking them fishing. Mm-hmm. You take them out there fishing and burn them out. You know, not catch any fish. They don't ever want to go back. So if you go out there and fish for forty five minutes and they're ready to go to the house, we're yeah. loading the boat and we're going back to the house. Right. Same yeah. thing with the hunting is. Yeah, mine end up just wanting to ride the boat around. Fish for like five minutes and like let's go. Let's just go ride. Let's just go. And I I could do that too. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's with the duck hunting because it's colder and stuff. You got to there's a whole lot more to y'all go run around on the bank and warm up and then we'll come back over and sit still for a little (laughs) bit. That kind of stuff. Um, My oldest one is eat up with it. Yeah, I've got a friend that's got some land in Oklahoma. It's a two hour drive, hour and forty five minutes from the house. You don't have to wake him up Mm. if if we're going. He's like, he gets his clothes laid out the night before. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, oh. he'll sleep in his dang clothes if he's not careful. My little one, you can walk in there. Hey, Bubba, you want to go? No, nah, Daddy, I think I'm going to sleep in. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll try again tomorrow. So, All right, Bubba, that works. But my, my oldest one is a killer. And no matter what it is. How old was he when he killed his first one? First anything. How old was he when he killed his six. first anything? Six years old. So, you had to be six in Arkansas to hunt big game. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, both of my boys have have always been around guns i mean my bb gun when they're three Mm -hmm. and you start with the gun safety and and all of that um when they turn six they're old enough to hunt in arkansas but i didn't force either one of them into it it was if you want to go you're old enough to go my oldest in youth hunt the first day Mm -hmm. he was ready to go and we had a couple of different deer during the youth hunt that just couldn't get a shot at the first weekend of gun season, when he was six, he killed a, I don't know, 110-pound doe, and he's been hooked ever since. My youngest one, I had to beg him to go. He's like, Daddy, I want to go, but I don't. I want to go, but I don't. Finally, <laughs> one afternoon at my mom and dad's on the farm, it's 3.30. I was like, we'll go up there and sit for a little bit. It's We can ride the four-wheeler up there. If you get tired, we can ride back to the house, and we weren't there five minutes. And one walked out, and he shot. That was hit. Both of them killed their first deer when they were six. <laughs> so they've been spoiled to the deer. The duck hunting's a little bit different. But I've got a friend in Oklahoma that's got a pretty good place, and he's always always been open about me bringing the boys. Well, how there. was hunting this year? 
I went. I think we went to Oklahoma four times and I hunted in Arkansas once. You hunted really? Arkansas once. Yeah. Wow! Did you kill anything? We killed. Uh, we killed three. Cool. I, I went with Alan. We were hunting one afternoon. The boys were out of town with my wife doing something. And I was home by myself. And Alan called me and said, hey, man, there's a spot right here by the house we can ride to side by side to. And we went. We sat there for two hours that afternoon, and we worked four ducks, and we killed three out of the four. They come in and lit. We is, killed three out of the four. Is it not sad to only hunt one day of Arkansas duck season? I think last year the only time I hunted was during the youth hunt. Really? Why is that? Because there ain't no ducks. <laughs> <laughs> why do you think there's no ducks? I can think of a bunch of reasons why I don't think there are any. Well, we want to hear those reasons. Give us a couple. I think the biggest thing is the weather. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you can you can talk about all the stuff going up, and I think that plays that definitely plays a role. I think the biggest thing is the weather. When we get put when we get cold weather, we get a push of birds. Mm-hmm. But we don't get what we get one good cold push this year. Right. Well, I think, mm-hmm. we, I think we had more than that this year, but last year we didn't. Yeah, last, last year, year was one terrible. I take that back. I hunted last year. Um, I hunted with Alan and Ronnie Turner and those guys at their club in in uh, Eastern Arkansas. Yeah, we were there were fourteen of us in camp for three days. We killed one duck and two specks. Wow. One duck and two specks. Mm. You shot a one man speck limit, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> for this year. Last year, I think you killed three. Yeah. <laughs> so did you? Did you only hunt five times last season? Yeah. So Oklahoma five four. times. Yeah. And then one in Arkansas. Uh, we we did really good in Oklahoma, mm. and I I took the boys on a youth hunt at the end of season. So I guess technically six times in Arkansas, but I, I was just with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but we we hunted I hunted once in Arkansas and four times in Oklahoma. That's it. I got skunked more days than he hunted. <laughs> <laughs> I don't keep track of the skunks. I don't want to be that depressed. Oh gosh, I used to. That used to be one of. The, I I would write down. That's how into it i was yeah. i wrote down on a calendar my wife used to get so mad at me because i had numbers on the calendar every time i oh, went yeah. so i keep up with my birds oh i've got a whole journal yeah, for everything yeah, yeah. we've got journal yeah, we, we keep up with it pretty pretty hardcore but i mean yeah. it, it helps out the longer you do it as far as knowing the best yes. area to go because like us we we don't hunt monday through friday most of the times just on the weekends so you have to take you know your best guess for where to go that was one thing with when i was still working at russellville um was pretty lax on that so if you know we would work monday tuesday wednesday and then we could go hunting thursday morning for a couple hours before yeah. you know whatever um as long as there were birds if there's no birds i'm i don't really care to get up at three o'clock when i could sleep into five and come to work or whatever you know it just it doesn't it doesn't do any good to go out there and sit and stare at the, the sky watch the sun come <laughs> up and go well the blackbirds is all we're looking at today, or if the if the water turkeys are flying up and down the river, we can watch them or something like that. So See, we would go we would go some during during mornings during the week then, but the last couple of years it hasn't been worth it. You've done a lot of river hunting then, yeah, pretty much. How do you notice anything different with river birds compared to East Arkansas type river birds? Because what you're talking about is Arkansas River, right? Yeah, we hunted Arkansas River between um, usually between Russellville and. Ozark, right? I mean, you don't have to give specific locations unless you just really well, want to. I mean, if if you went to Tech, you know, most everybody hunts out of uh, Cabin Creek or, right. uh, oh gosh, what's the other side on the other side of the river? Spadger, Spadger. That's pretty much yeah. where we always put in on the other side of the river. Okay, because there's 
it's not less pressure. There's less people at the boat ramp, so you don't have to fight to get in the ramp. Gotcha. Hunting the same birds, hunting the same area, we just come in from the south side of the river. Okay, I gotcha. So, as far as hunting the river, uh, do you have any tips for people that do that a lot? Because I've hunted the river a few times, and the best thing for me is I always put out a lot of decoys. Yep. I had to always put out a lot of decoys. I, I qualify that with put out as many decoys as you can keep moving. Okay. Because if you put out, and, and I think a lot of it too has a has a big deal with how many birds are in the area. Yeah. If you've been if you've been scouting the river and you've been watching the river and there's just not a lot of birds and you go out and throw out four or five hundred decoys or you try to put out one hundred and twenty decoys, those those <laughs> birds know they're not in the area. I, I feel like. Yeah. No, and, I agree. And it and it just doesn't look right. But if you if you're hunting and if you drive by when you're scouting and you see ten or fifteen ducks in this pocket. 10 or 15 ducks in the next pocket. They're not just huge rafts. Put you out two dozen decoys and make sure you can keep them all moving. Right. If you've got a jerk stream run through the middle of these decoys with three ducks on it and these three ducks are moving and four or five ducks around it and then you've got some ducks over here that have no motion whatsoever, doesn't look right. That's I mean, my, my biggest thing is put out what you can keep moving regardless like of what tip. it is. I like that tip. But you, uh, you can use mojos on the river too, right? Yep. So it's a different. I don't use mojos. That was my next question. Do you even use mojos? Nope. Okay. All right. So Do you want to expound on that? No. Okay. <laughs> Why not? I, I I think if you're going to use them, you can tell in the first two bunches of birds that you yeah. work whether it's going to be a day where you can kill them on a mojo or you need to put it up. Um, hunting in the woods, it's a whole lot different because when there's when they're circling and we used them in Oklahoma and had pretty good luck, but you have to move them. So my buddy's got a little, a little timber hole. Um, I don't probably floods three or four acres about 18 inches deep. And when they're there, they're, they're there and you can, you could put a hurt on them in a hurry, but you still have to move that decoy to where they're not looking at it the entire time. Right. So, okay. you know, when you're, when you're working birds on a river, that mojo's stands out and it's they're constantly when they're circling that mojo never moves they never see it disappear mm. anything like that in the woods when they're circling and that mojo spinning it disappears it flashes behind the trees or the limbs or something like that so whether it's moving or not the way they're circling it looks like it's flashing in different spots and i think that makes a big difference what's the most mojos that you've used on two two yeah okay so you've never used big no no okay. no we've done 16 before <laughs> I've seen them do that in Oklahoma. Let so, me tell you what. You put out 16 mojos. You can pull them out of the heavens. So if the, you see a bird, he's coming. So in, in Oklahoma, in the, that, the, the National Wildlife Refuges over there, they can, they can hunt areas in, I think it's Sequoia National Wildlife Refuge in Oklahoma. Hmm. And they'll do that out there yep. hunting dry fields. Right. Have them staggered at different mm-hmm. heights. We did that And too. it's like, man, you don't even have to call. They just. Oh, no. But the thing was, is I remember being out picking up ducks one time, like with all those mojos, and out of the corner of my eye, I kept flinching because I was like, oh, oh there's duck, no, oh, oh. Yep. because there's just so much, there's so much different, going on. Different heights, if you got them on those extended poles yeah, and stuff. And the ducks couldn't pick out. With that many, they can't pick out and notice the differences of... I can see that. You know. I can see that. It, it just, there's too much movement, there's too much going on, there's just like, oh, there's a lot of birds there, we're going. Yeah. And that... And I think it makes a difference if you if you stretch them out. Most everybody that I hunt yeah. with, you know, they've got the one mojo pole and it just barely sticks up out of the top of the water and it's it, oh, everybody yeah. has the same thing, you know. Yeah, we built a tree and you stick them on a yes, tree and you put got them all on a one timer. We we started so when you could still use them 
um, on the Game and Fish, like the WMAs right. and stuff, we would find a spot where tree blew down, and because we didn't have extensions, stick it in the stump so that it, you know, the stump, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's an extra. Yeah, throw oh, a string over a tree feet. limb, yeah, tie it to I've the I've seen people do that too and move it up and down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. He did that dude spinning. Yep. I think, yep. I think they should be illegal, honestly. But I think they should be illegal up north for sure because, I mean, they, they're hunting it's dumb unreal. birds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They'll tell you that they're hunting really, really educated birds the last couple of years because they don't ever move. Yeah. They're not yeah. moving down. Right. <laughs> I, okay. I will say this early teal season, a mojo is deadly. Oh, oh yeah. Teal loves Those teal will eat them up. Mm-hmm. They love, did you teal hunt this year? I have not. You had, when was the last time you did that? The limit was four the last time I took hunted. I think you can kill six now, can't you? That was three, four. <clears throat> it's been ago, a few years ago, yeah. 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 But yeah. they bumped it up to six, which I don't know why they bumped it up to six. I hadn't ever killed that many in one hunt. <laughs> and hunting the river for teal, what do you get, like 10 days? What is mm-hmm. it? Two weeks. Two, whatever yeah. it is. They move through so fast up there. Yeah. You might see a handful of teal. The last time we really, really killed a bunch of teal, <laughs> we were still fishing Thursday night tournaments out of Shell Bay really? in September. Yeah, yeah. Me and a, a buddy of mine, and we, and we actually run out of gas coming back into the boat ramp one night, <laughs> and we were sitting there waiting on somebody to pick us up, and there was like two hundred of them, and a bunch flew over us. And we we hunted them that Saturday and Sunday, and we killed the four man limit two days in a row. Just just because we run out of gas fishing. Why can't we run into dumb luck like that? Why could that's that, all that, that just was, say not was run the, out of gas? <laughs> it wasn't like I was trying to get back to the boat ramp to weigh in. I think we had two fish. Yeah. I was just trying to get back. Two so six-pounders? No. 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 When the gas prices the way they are now, we may have dumb luck next season. You so. ain't lying there. We're going to be hunting real close yeah. to the house. <laughs> Cadre Creek better look out. I, that's the good thing about hunting out there in Oklahoma is I don't have to – to pull the boat, but it's two hours in the truck because I got right. the dog and they, all that mm-hmm. mess, and it takes me – it's two hours mm-hmm. to get out there. So you learned how to blow a duck call. You liking the duck hunting. When did when did it cross your mind that you needed to make your own? I I got my lathe uh, Christmas of 2012. So you've hunted for four years. Yeah. That's ridiculous. I had a – Come on, fours. Your I'm behind. <laughs> so one of the guys that I hunted with up there all the time is like, man, this was this was right before the Duck Dynasty craze, you know, because everybody always goes, oh, you saw Duck Dynasty and you wanted to be a call. I said, no, not at all. But I saw that before, like I started on that before the Duck Dynasty deal got going, uh, barely, barely, <laughs> but, but but before the Duck Dynasty stuff. And one of the guys that I hunted with was like, man, you, you're really good on a call. So you need to, well, we can do this. It's not that big a deal. We can figure out how to make one of these things work. And I was like, are you sure? He said, yeah, go for it. So we agreed to be partners in the call making deal. And I got a lathe. We started buying wood, different things. And then it was like, all right, I've got several hundred dollars in this stuff. When's the partner thing going to work? Here? You know, when, are, when are you going to start helping me? And he was like, ah, man, I just, I don't know. I don't think I'm going to be able to do it. I was like, well, God dang, I've, I have, I've put a lot of money in this at this point. So now I'm stuck. So that was, I had my first jig made in, uh, I got it back in July of 2013. 
So started at twelve. Wait, so what was the 13. what was the partnership side of that? Now I'm curious because like it never they never really <laughs> right yeah so you never really materialized <laughs> at all. Do you want to say all. full name who the oh, who wait, this well, person was? So um, uh, he and I still joke about it all the time. He's the G in Mig. Okay, that's really? right. Your your yeah. Mig custom calls in my G. So Mig would be my last name and his last name. My last name is Meredith. His last name is Gray. So Robbie, okay. Robbie, Robbie's still a good friend of mine. I talk to him all the time. Maybe not anymore after this. Oh, I've told him. I've told him more than once. I've told this story several times. Um, but that's how we come up with the MIG. Was how okay. can we kind of put both names together, and we come up with that just BSing one night, just sitting around talking, and that's where we went with the MIG. And then he decided he had. Uh, he's a. He's into everything, race cars, uh, hunting, fishing. Side by side, like he's he's got his hand in everything, so it's always something new. Did you ever think about changing it? No, no, never even crossed your mind. Nope. That's cool. That's cool. You're Just, a nicer person. I mean, it, me. it's. I don't know. That's a pretty dang cool logo, in my opinion. I do like the logo. It stands out. It's a cool name. Yeah, I think Robbie should pay up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I don't want to have to pay him back all the, all the money that I made at this point. He's gonna want part of that best of show yeah. sticker. Yeah. <laughs> They only give you one medal. I can't share it. <laughs> so it took you one year to, which for no, those no. people that don't know, a jig is that's what your your tone boards yes. are based off of. Yes. So the I've got a couple of calls that I made early on that sounded better than what I had my jig made off of. Why'd uh, you do that? Because I didn't know what I was doing. Okay. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I've got... It, I wasn't consistent with anything. I didn't have a clue. Like you talk to these guys that have been doing this for years and they say, measure everything. I think I even told you that when you oh, yeah. asked, measure everything. And I wouldn't do it. <laughs> yeah, that looks close enough. We'll just wing it. So I had, I had no clue what I was doing. I mean, I, I never measured my tone channel to see how long it was or any, and I'd hit one that just would scream. It's like, well, this is easy. Like this, there's nothing to this. <laughs> Jig smig. I've, I've got boxes in the house of inserts that sound like predator calls because I thought I knew what I was doing, and I just go out there and blow through a piece of wood. My tenon would be so dang small it wouldn't fit in the jig. It would flop around in the jig. Oh my god! Oh, it was it was so bad. I had no clue what I was doing. None. But it turned out pretty good. Yeah, but. So, so that where you were going with that was you, you, you. I started in December 2012, and in seven months I had a jig. Right. I didn't get a call that that would sell until 2016 or 2017. Okay. Three or four jigs later, before it finally clicked for me, and then from there, once I got a jig that sounded close, tweaking that sound to get where I'm at now. So it's the same jig, but you change stuff internally in the call right. to get different right. sounds out of it. Did, did you did you have the intent to make and sell, or did were you just thinking you just want to make calls and see what you could? Uh, when I when I started out, I thought it would be cool enough that I could I could sell twenty calls a year. Yeah, I could pay for my shells. I could right. buy a new pair of waders, that kind of stuff. Put gas in the boat. I never never thought it would do what it has. Yeah. So there was never any grand illusions of being butch rich and back or rick dunn or, right, right. and i'm still so far away from that it's not even funny <laughs> but uh i've never had a, any intentions of it being anything special got it no i was just curious how many call models do you have 
Six. You have six. Do you want to go through those real quick? Uh, I can. Uh, so I make uh, all of my all of my call models except for my cut down are based off of MIGs, like okay. actual Russian fighter plane. And it's a bad time to be comparing anything to Russian. <laughs> <laughs> you should have just said fighter plane. You should have said that. But your sales just you know, dropped 50%. When I, when I started, that's that's what it was, was I, I did some like looking into the different the numbers on all the planes and what they mean. Okay. Okay. So the 17 is my most popular model. That's what I hunt with. That's what the call you have I, is, I like is, is a 17. Okay. Um, then I have the, the 15, which is the same call. It's a little, it's a internally is a touch different. So that's a little bit easier to blow a little bit smoother. Um, it has a little bit more of a clean ring as opposed to a raspy hunting style. Okay. I have the, the 13, which is a very small board, uh, timber style call, very closed board. It's not, it's not loud. Still a really good call for, and we can talk about this in a minute. I don't understand why people want a close, a, a quiet call in the timber. I, I don't know why those are called timber calls. We, we can talk about that later, but that's what my 13 is. It's a traditional timber style call. Um, then I have the 19, which is my open water style call, which in the Russian aircraft, the 19 was the first supersonic all right, so that was my next question: Is what do the numbers mean? Yeah. Like, so if you break down so sir so, call by number, like what? yeah, that was yeah. the nineteen was the first supersonic Russian aircraft. So okay. that would be the Main Street open water loud. Got it. Ringing. Okay. Okay. And then the twenty one is um, it's a J frame. It's a loud. I think. I think I sent y'all a uh, twenty one. Well, should I've have been a seventeen and a twenty one. And I think we did, we reviewed the seventeen. I think it got eight point fives. That's what we gave it. Eight point fives. God. Eight point fives. Hey, <laughs> what's it take to get a ten around here? <laughs> no, we've never given a ten. So, so the the twenty one is going to be louder. It's going to be more aggressive. Um, it's for people that want a cut down style sound but mm-hmm. can't blow a cut down. It'll pop. It's got. It's still got the hold and the range and the all the things of a J-frame, but it's louder and more aggressive. And then I had the MIG custom cut. Which we're going to talk about that here shortly, too, because it's it's got a few awards under its name, doesn't it? Yeah. Or do you want to talk about it now? You want to talk about it now? Man, let's go. Okay, so... You're going to get how, in trouble over this. How many... Why? <laughs> how many big calling contests are there, not including the one we're going to talk about later? There's There's like two, right? Two really big ones? Three. Three, three, and NWTF is one of those. Yes. Okay. We just they just did NWTF, and how many years have you been entering NWTF? I uh, started in 2016. 2016, and how many awards do you have with that? So the first the first year I entered, Spencer Halford was still running Rolling Thunder. Okay, and he was still making cut down, like still actively making calls and still doing mm-hmm. some custom work and stuff like that. They have, at NWTF, they have a cut-down division where you make a, a cut-down call and enter it where that's all that's in that division. He won that one. I finished second. He won third. I finished fourth. The next year, I don't know what happened. I think Spencer may have sold out or wasn't where he could enter, and then I won. So I won the cut-down division 17, 18, 19, 20. Uh, Sean Lynn won in 2021, and then I won it again this year in 2022. 
And you've never cut an alt. Never cut an alt in my life. And, but you still, he still won the cut down division at NWTF. Four consecutive years in a yeah. row. And then, I think that's right. It may be, I think that's right. It's, it's okay. You're probably going to be pretty close whether you're right or wrong off by one. It doesn't matter. I think that's right. You've, you've proven. Four out of the last five or three out of the last four. I'm not, I could be off by one year. You've proven that you can make an outstanding cut down, basically. Okay. Yeah. And then that one year with uh, Spencer Hallford, it was basically just you and him in the top four. Yes. That's that's a pretty big name to be associated with Spencer Hallford and Rolling Thunder. Uh, not necessarily associated, but in the well, same, not associated yes. with, but in the same like sentence, in the same breath. Yes. Yeah, yeah, same breath. I, y'all, I guess. it's I y'all guess. too. Uh, and they also have Best of Show, yes. which is explain that one to us. So uh, I was talking about the cut down division. They have a in the working class. They have a working wood, working acrylic, working open. Then they have a couple of different goose calls, but those are separate. The goose calls, they have their own best of show for the goose. And then they have a bunch of other little different. Um, you can make a call out of antler, the the cut down division. They're, they're 14, 13 categories overall that they that they have in at that show. And then once they pick the winner of each category, they take all those calls, the winner of each category, and they line them back up. And then they have the judges go back through and pick the best one out of that lineup. Okay. If that makes sense. It, it makes sense. How many judges are there? And who qualifies to be a judge? Because if it's just Joe Blow off the street, then it's now, not. A- m- most, of, most of the guys that are judges are, um, if not steel contest scholars, have some contest calling experience or are guys that are just they're qualified they're they're qualified they're, do you know they, who the judges were this year no you don't i know i know a couple of them i don't i don't know i don't okay. i don't care to know the judges well i mean i don't i don't mean like you actually know them i no, just I, I don't know i don't know the names i don't okay. care to know from one year to the next who they i've known uh travis ward who you guys travis ward yep travis Makers ward has company. judged a few times okay um and i mean we love their calls makers makes great calls yeah we gave yeah. theirs an 8.52 for the origin if you wanted to know you tied with you tied with travis <laughs> Sore subject. Move along. <laughs> Do we need to bump one of you up a quarter of a point? Get, give it to Travis. He's yeah, they're sponsoring him. I say we line them up. Hey, no, him and Colton are both really good guys. Well, I will. I, I, I will say that well. we gave the makers cut. I think we gave that one. Might have gave that one a nine. They're cut down. See, and, and uh, I, I've, I blown, I've been blown a, a cut and old from both of those guys, from uh-huh. Colton and Trey, and they both cut a really, really good call. Oh, they do. Really good call. He, Col- yeah, Colton cut an old for me, and it is incredible. Yeah, they, they're they're both really good. Yeah. I've got an early, early custom from Colton. I know he, you showed that. that, that I'm a little jealous of that it's one. A, that it's a beautiful. bad son of a gun, too. Yeah, they bo- they both make a really good call. So back to, back to <clears throat> this year's NWTF. Okay. How many calls did you send in this year? Uh, nine, I think. This nine. is one of the – I didn't send as many this year as I normally have. Okay. I just didn't have time. Nine calls is still pretty good. Have you ever won Best of Show? No. Has that been your goal, or has it just been your Absolutely. goal to send in calls? I don't, I don't send them in over there just to – I mean, <laughs> I some, people, some people might just send them in just, I want as many medals as I can possibly get. That, that being said – I don't expect to. I, I wasn't expecting to win. I sent. I felt. I felt like I sent some of the best calls I'd ever seen over there. Yeah. And then you look at the first three categories. I got throttled. Um, <laughs> it was pretty embarrassing. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, that doesn't matter. 
It happens. So, like, as you were sending them in, you were like, oh, this one's going to be high and this one's going to be There are high. some of them, like, a couple of years ago, I sent one into uh, the – well, it was the same year I sent this one. The other cut down I sent with that call was awful, mm-hmm. and I knew it, and I didn't have time to remake the insert. Like, right. it was – waited to the last minute. We had things going on, and I cut it, and I was, oh, my gosh, this call's terrible. But I didn't, I didn't have time to redo it. Right. And I even the, – the guy that bought it in the auction is a – a customer from Missouri, and I and I called him or text, sent him a message on Facebook. I don't have his number, and I said, "Man, that call's awful. Send it back to me, and I will redo the insert." Would whenever you, he's like, "Nope, I want it like it is. That's the call that you sent to the contest. I want." I said, "I'm just telling you, it's bad." And he <laughs> he never would he never would send it back to me. Huh. Seth, Seth Fields judged that year, and he okay. he took a picture of that call and sent it. Sent me a, pic, a message on Facebook. He goes, man, what happened to this one? <laughs> like, well, She's like, what do you mean? I, I said, Dude, I thought that one was really good. Yeah, that's the best about. one I've ever made. That's my best work. That's right. <laughs> it was. It was funny. I said, yeah, I know that one was. That was bad. Oh man. So, so it, it happens every now and then where you you run into one and go, Dad Gum, I run out of time, or I, it, mm-hmm. I don't have time to redo it, or if you like, for those contests, I try to send. In the acrylic stuff, I'll send a piece of discontinued acrylic or something like that that's just crazy off the wall. And if you don't, if you screw up the insert and you don't have any more of that, then you have to come up with something completely different to try to make it match or just start all over. And sometimes you don't have time. Uh, and okay. I, I've sent a couple that probably shouldn't have. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you pay the entry fee, and at that point, it's like, well, dang, I've done put the money into this thing. We might as well just. Don't they auction them off like at the end? Yes. And it, it, you ever I, gotten any back? Nobody bought it. No. Okay. <laughs> no. Well, the first year I sent, I did. Somebody, one of my, I, I it was, this was before anybody even knew who I was, and I sent a hedge, a crosscut hedge call that was pretty good looking. Wow. Um, and I burned it. Ca finished the whole nine yards, and somebody called me. It's like, hey, I don't, I, I don't remember bidding on this call, but I got this call shipped to me. And it's got your business card in it. I said, well keep it congratulations <laughs> congratulations yeah. I, don't, I don't know who bought it you just keep it uh, that's a really cool call to get crosscut hedge that's been burned that's a really yeah. pretty looking call it, it had to be pretty because i bet you it didn't sound real good back then <laughs> so let's let's fast forward to this year you won best of show this year yes okay congratulations on that because that's you. a big deal thank you you've never done that right right were you any bit surprised yes i i was surprised especially knowing that the cut down is what won it that's the first time a cutdown's ever won best of show. Hmm. That's all. Awesome. I mean, you don't have a whole lot of respect for this cutdown, apparently, that you're making, that you're winning all these awards for. I, I've won one award. <laughs> one award for just the cutdown? One. Oh, okay. Well, I'm sorry. One. Well, there's the rest, somebody's got to win the, the cutdown division at some point. So, it, I mean, it's got to be a cutdown that wins that division. So, the cutdown has only won one award. one award, the way I see it. Well... I don't see it that way. If your cutdown's winning, if your cutdown's winning the cutdown award, what's got to win? Somebody's got to win it. <laughs> but you're not the only one that entered. <laughs> but the cutdown doesn't have to win best show. So what you're saying is the best of show is really the only category that you're after. Absolutely. Okay. There we go. That's what Absolutely. I got to, got to the bottom of it. Absolutely. <laughs> That's it. That was, you know, and, and I don't know if you guys know Rusty Heron. Uh, I know who Rusty Heron is. I've met him once. Goose, yeah. goose call maker, really right. good goose call maker. Me and him go back and forth all the time because he's like, man, I just enter those things so we can come hang out and talk. And I was like, 
I enter that stuff so that I can tell you I beat you last year. <laughs> that's, that's why I enter that stuff. We, I do this so I can hold it over your head for a year that I beat you. That's why I do it. So do you have a flag that you're going to be waving at Callapalooza? I'm going to wear my medal. I'm going to wear my medal. Yeah. Medals. No, in all honesty, that you get a ring like Super Bowl ring. Nice. And I, I had it. Fit for that finger right there, now, as he's this off so that I can so that I can walk in there and, and show some of those guys my new ring. Hey, losers! That's right. Hey, guys. Are we still? Are you still my number one fan? Do I even have to speak? It's right. That's right. Oh, I love it. Let's go ahead and review this call, Barrett. You weren't here when we, nope, when we did this did this review. Um, for a cut down, it blows very easy. Like it, I mean, it's just, it's just an easy running call. It it barks good. It has a lot of pop to it. Feed call chatter is good. It gets quiet. It's I mean it's easy to run. I I I can't find any reason not to give it a nine. To be personally honest, I was fixing to say see if you're going to give it eight. I mean, <laughs> might have guilted him into that one. Just a yeah, little bit. no, no, you didn't guilt me into it. I feel like there's some peer pressure that's taking place here. Absolutely no, 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 not at all. <laughs> I planned that for the time I got here. Michael's I do have hundred dollars in my up. pocket for some reason though. I don't know where that came from. No. Genuinely though, I I have not blown the cut down. I hadn't blown your cut down until you brought it tonight. Right, I'm impressed with it. Very impressed with it. It's a small call, which I was surprised at the power of it. But also, usually with a small call, you have to really be on top of it from the get go. Yep. And this one, I didn't feel like I had to be. I'm not a cut down person, and I can be on top of the call just fine, run it however I wanted to, and I run like a J-frame. Probably should do a video of Michael running it because it sounds a whole lot better when he runs it. But he, you got videos on your Facebook page? Yes, yes. Facebook page. If you want a sound file other than mine, go check that one out. Tyler, you were here. What do you think? Yeah, man. I mean, I was going to give it eight and a half, but I guess I'll give it a nine <laughs> after all that guilt tripping. But Hey, you got to do what you got to do, man. This is a no, business. man, it was, it, was a really, it was a really good sounding call. I mean, and listening to Forrest blow it and then listening to Michael blow it, I mean, it was... Force boat more like kind of like that that hybrid sound to it to me, and whenever Michael got on, I mean it was stand up and barking on it for sure. I, I mean, will say this: it doesn't have, or for me, it didn't have a whole lot of rattle, which I I don't like too much rattle. Too much rattle. There's no me, such thing. No, I think that there There's is no such thing. I think there is. I've blown some that I was like, no, that that's not right. Mm. I didn't think it had a whole lot of rattle when you were blowing it. D- different people have different versions of rattle. That okay. heavy rasp sound on the bottom right, to me right. is, I think you kill more ducks. I think you and I talked about this when you are in the shop. I think you kill more ducks with the bottom end on the call than you ever will. You turn ducks with that, with the top end to get their attention. Mm-hmm. You can't finish birds with that top end. That's a good you, point. You finish birds with the bottom end in the call, mm-hmm. and you can't have too much bottom end in a duck call. Oh, it's got good. It has a good bottom end, and... The other call that I have blown that's that's shorter like that, it was it's probably a little too squeaky for me. We talked about those that call earlier. Uh, I won't mention the name of it, but um, that one it it is it's not too squeaky. It has some squeak to it, yeah. Which some cut downs don't, like most ults that that people cut, they don't yeah. have a lot of squeak to them, uh, which is perfectly fine. But this one has some, and I like that. I like that. So. I've had a few different people ask me about, and you're talking about me never cutting an old. So I'm going to, I'm going to bring this up while we're here looking at that. Um, I have never cut an old in my life. Don't, don't claim to have cut an old. My call is, and we, we can, well, 
Go for we it. We have to be careful how we go into this. Go for but it. You hear so many people talk about copying tone boards mm-hmm. and uh, or sleeving an echo, poly echo, or all all the different things. Nobody ever says anything about people coming up with their own tone board for a cut down. Everybody says if you don't make an old, if you don't copy an old, if you don't cut an old, it's not a true cut down. Blow that thing. Look at that tone board and tell me it's not a cut down, a true cut down frame. Right. There are guys now that are starting to do it more. Yeah. Where they where they either have cut a couple olds and come up with what they want and then go back and build their own tone board. But that that tone board is actually the very first jig that I had made. The front deck it was it was a huge upslope and you couldn't blow it because it was stick. It was just terrible design. But when you lengthen it to get it to where uh, you know a cut down tone board is longer than mm-hmm. a regular J frame. So when you lengthen it and I had to go back in and lengthen it and do a bunch of work, sanding, filing, tweaking it. So it's it runs the the thicker reed, the longer, the big heavy duty dagger reed. Um, it runs really well with that with that style. Now I've I've had a couple of different jigs made since then, so that it has been I have improved it, but it's a cut down. I I don't see how you could claim that it wasn't a cut down. I mean, you've got the shorter exhaust. The tone board's longer than the exhaust. That's yep. a big deal. Um, it's it's got the tone board design or look of a cut down. Yeah. I I don't know how you could claim that. That's that's you're right. That's a touchy subject. Very very touchy. Especially if you talk about it on Facebook. I mean, it's oh like, gosh. I mean, I'll, all the experts I'll get, come out. I'll get all blasted. the experts come if out. If anybody hears this, it's a cut down guy. I'll get blasted. But <laughs> there's a few of them that listen. To oh this yeah, I'm sure there are. Once in a while. But that's okay. I think they would agree with you. Most of them would. All right. So, did you give it a score, Tyler? Oh yeah, I said nine. Did I, you give it I nine? Oh, yeah. I didn't want to get beat nine. up in a parking lot. Peer pressure. No, no, it really did sound good. I mean, I I was impressed with it, and I, I mean, I I could be tempted into getting one of them pretty easy just from hearing it tonight. So, so we've talked about call making, and I've I've mentioned this earlier. There is a big calling con or call makers contest yes. that's coming, and you were part of setting that up. Am I correct? Uh, it was not my idea. I got brought into it in the end. That's okay. You, so, that means you're still part of it. So there's a couple of brothers from uh, Hot Springs, Justin and Jamie Miller, both call makers, both Arkansas guys, both make a pretty dang solid duck call. Um, and I had talked to Jamie. Jamie's kind of the one that was the the genesis of this whole idea. And he goes, man, there's, there's contests in Easton. You know, Stump had that big contest in Easton. Right. They have one in Tennessee at Real Foot. The NWTF deal has moved around, but it's kind of found a home at Nashville for the that convention. Wherever that convention goes is where that contest is going to be. Okay. And they've kind of found them a home at in at Nashville. Nashville's a pretty good place. Yeah, it can be. be going. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's a really good show in itself. If you've never been, it's a it's you know that Friday Saturday they we run, were literally there like a the weekend, weekend before. before. Weekend yeah. before. <laughs> I think they run twenty. Like twenty three thousand people through. Wow, we won't make that mistake again. Yeah, we won't miss yeah. it next year. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a good show, uh, and and there are tons of call makers at that deal, just sitting around talking, shooting the breeze. Well, I saw a lot of pictures of you and Will there, Will Shelley yep. of uh, Battle Creek Custom yep. Calls. We haven't reviewed one of his. I have one of his. We'll review one eventually. Will won the NWTF last year. I know, well, I was going to let you mention that if anyway, you wanted to. Um, <laughs> anyway, you were talking. We'll about give his Jamie. a six just for you. So, so Jamie Miller was the was the genesis of this deal, and he said, you know, with the the tradition and the heritage that Arkansas has in waterfowling and and call making in general, there's no call making contest 
in Arkansas. And we kicked around a couple different ideas um, trying to come up with something that would work. And we decided the best thing to do would be try to get attached to the World call, the world Duck Calling Contest in Stuttgart in November. Jamie did the legwork uh, talking to the, the chamber, Stuttgart Chamber of Commerce, and we have a contest now that will be ran simultaneously with the world duck call making the world duck calling contest in Stuttgart the week of Thanksgiving. Nice every year. Be That's st- good because they have run out of kind of like activities at yes. that that festival. Because last year it was just the the what was it chili cook off that was the big and deal the beer drinking and the beer drinking. That's pretty much it. But <laughs> that and the world's <laughs> duck calling contest, which is. So you, what do you have? The last chance in the last chance Arkansas, in Arkansas State, State, which is on the Friday, day before. Yep, and then the world's on Saturday. Yep, and that's about it. And that's it. But then they had a, I think it was a chili cook-off or something this yeah, year. Yeah, and they it do was a big like deal. That. They had a pretty good yeah. turnout for that. But that's really all they had this year. And one thing that that when Jamie started talking to uh, the people of the chamber, their deal was they wanted to try to get the call making tent back to the 70s and 80s when you could go down there to the call making tent and Alvin Taylor had a booth down there and and Rick Dunn had his stuff and Butch and and all these guys that are legends mm-hmm. now you could go down there and meet them Billy Starks had a had a booth on at the tent you know most years and everybody yeah. got to go down there and meet that doesn't happen anymore well, even even well, one of the first few years that I went there was a tent that you could go in and there was call, just people selling duck calls yes I love that tent. That was my favorite tent. It's not you go like in there that anymore. Duck, no, now it's not like that at all. I think social media is what killed it. You're probably right. Yeah. You want to I think, explain it, that I think it has a part of, to do yeah. with it, absolutely. It, it just, they, I say they, we as a culture, a waterfowling culture, have made this so competitive that I think that has played a massive role in the, the downfall of some of these calling contests. What, what, what do you mean by the competitive part of it's it? It's just nobody wants to go and meet with – There's there is a – Greater than thou complex, essentially, where, I mean, you've got us guys that are a little bit older, like we, I, I would love to go down there and meet with but you. But is, is that, is that the, the customers compared to the, the call makers or is that just in general? Oh, I, I'd say it's just in general. You don't agree? Uh... I, I'm looking at it from the standpoint of what I see happen every day on Facebook, what I see happen every time we're out in the public woods. Um, there's just, there's no one's, no one's friendly to anybody anymore. And I think that they just, when they show up to these things, it is, you know, I don't want to step up to your booth. I know that I'm not the, the caller that Forrest is or that, that uh, Michael Meredith is, but they don't want to step up and blow a call in front of you and feel embarrassed or whatever. So why, let me ask you this. Why would you not want to go take the opportunity to get around a world-class caller and try to better yourself? Right. No, you're exactly right. But pride. Pride's the downfall in that whole deal. You, that's the, I, I, I kind of on Barrett's side here. He may be the, right. The, I, no, I just never looked at the it The reasoning is right. The reasoning is because the first year that I came to the, the uh, fall festival or whatever it's called, I remember seeing John Stevens at the Rich and Tone booth down there at, in the tent. And scared to death to go talk to him. Oh, I was scared to death. Like, I'm not about to go over there and blow a duck call in front of this guy. I, because all I'm going to do is get embarrassed. I've met him several times. I made a call in his shop last year, and I'm still scared to go talk to John Stevens. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I am too, to be honest with you. Well, I mean, and you got to think, too, like from when we first started going, 
to the worlds, and they had all the booths set up and all the call makers and all that. Well, now then, they're doing so much business on social media. It really, it doesn't. That was that was my thing. I think yeah, accessibility yeah. has a big. Yeah, it don't it don't benefit them to load everything up in a trailer, especially with gas being four and yeah. five dollars a gallon. Well, now. I mean, yeah. if you live in Stuttgart, well, you're, you're talking from the Tuck. from the call maker standpoint. Yeah, yeah. from yeah. a call maker standpoint, yeah. Yeah. accessibility accessibility through Facebook and, and Instagram and all mm-hmm. the other social media stuff. It's it's easier to sell a call. And I'll say this too: It's easier to sell a call. It's harder to find a good call because of all the accessibility. Mm-hmm. Right? There's mm-hmm. so many people out there that make calls now. That's a great point. That it's easy to get your 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 product in front of people. Mm-hmm. Just because you can get your product in front of people doesn't mean it's a good call. Right? Yeah. Doesn't mean that you, it's you can be really good at marketing. Absolutely. And a crap call. Absolutely. Oh yes, you can. <laughs> I, I know. I know several. I've seen several of those. Yeah. And I, I mean, say and I mean, I think too. It's like used to. You had to go and blow them at these places just so you could hear Absolutely. them and you could see them. Now then, you just get on Facebook and you can hear. You can hear everybody running the same call. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, so. you don't necessarily have to go and do that. And you're like, well, I'm not going to waste the money going and doing it. But how cool if we can bring that back and we can all go down and actually meet. Oh, meet yeah, some these. I think Call of Palooza helps start or kick start that a little bit. I agree. And because I went to Callapalooza two years ago, I didn't get to go last year, but two years ago I went to it. I loved it. I didn't talk to anybody there other than Josh Raggio because that's who I had make yeah. a call that one time. But I mean, this year when I go, I, I'm going to be a chatterbox because I know a bunch of y'all now. Yeah, they got to run him off. You yeah. probably have to. But it was so <laughs> cool to just see all these old calls and new calls and see kind of the transformation of that. I I think. Along those same lines, one of the deals that they've talked about with the with the callmaker's tent, there are not a lot of custom guys down there anymore. In the callmaker, it's all mass produced stuff, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. Right. You know, there there are guys that are all about the 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 seven thirty seven or the or the rich and tone or the echo or whatever yeah. brand the the layers layers makes a really good call too. Yeah, you know what it whatever whatever brand that they want to fanboy on for that period of time. Right. There's not a lot of. Uh, Brad samples down there, you know, setting up calls. There's not a lot of Will Shelley's or or you name Travis Ward's, you right. know, Colton Tom. There's not a lot of those guys coming down there and setting up booths for that kind of stuff anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you see some of that at Callapalooza, and I think you're probably right there. If those people that the chamber have been around or walked through the Rich and Tone area while that Callapalooza is going on and see the number of small shop guys that have booths and are killing it, yeah, selling calls. They've got to, in their head think how can we get this back to the the fall festival their wings over the prairie whatever it's whatever yeah. it's called mm-hmm. and I mean I hopefully hopefully if they do try to do that they don't gouge y'all with booth prices because I I would think that that would be a big determining factor if y'all have got to pay a thousand dollars just throwing a number out and there. that's one thing John has done at Callapalooza. Yeah, he doesn't charge you for a booth. That's if you need a table, or if if you have to rent a table and chairs and stuff like that. But if you bring your own table, if you bring your own setup, just get a hold of him ahead of time and tell him you want the space, and yeah. he'll make sure you've got it. Yeah, see, That's because awesome. the first time that I came down there, Rusty Heron was there. Rusty and, and his his friend Ryan was there that year. They set up together. Ryan makes okay. an incredible duck call too. Okay, yes, a uh, foul dog or something. Yes, like that? yes, uh, yes, yes. I didn't talk to Ryan, and I talked to Rusty just for a split Ryan, second. Ryan's kind of like talking to Will Shelley. You got to pull every every <laughs> sentence out of that guy. But uh, Rusty's from Canada. He yes. came all the way from Canada. And he's wanting to come this year too, if he can. Just if to he do can, that. Well, yeah. I hope that he can, because 
I would like to actually talk to him more because I didn't, I didn't really know him then. I, I just briefly talked to him. He said that he hunted like over 100 days that year, and I was blown away by that. I was like, you've got to be freaking kidding me. We only have a 60-day season down yeah. here. How did you get to hunt 100-something days yeah. in one year? Yeah, but That's exhausting even to think about. But oh, just gosh. to think about the money that he spent to come from just to come down here to Stuttgart. And, and he sells goose calls. Right. How many people do you think come to Callapalooza to buy? Sean Manns was there, too. Absolutely. But you don't think those guys uh, – Sean Mann is a different level. Sean's got yeah. a, a completely, you know, an array of calls that he sells. Rusty makes goose calls. Rusty makes a pretty good duck call when you can get him to make one. Um, <laughs> he just doesn't – he just doesn't do it a lot. He come down here to sell goose calls. How many customers do you think came to Stuttgart, Arkansas to buy a custom goose call? Yeah. yeah that, not he, very he, many. I'm he knew he you. wasn't going to sell a whole <laughs> lot, but he wanted to support John. He wanted to come down and hang out with – his friend, and that's why I was asking you earlier if you thought it was between call makers or, or customers and stuff. I, again, I don't think it's so much the call maker. I think I think you guys hit the nail on the head with the accessibility. I mean, it it's so easy to get a call now. Like, why would yes. you waste your personal time and money to come down here and set up yep. and maybe sell 10 calls? I, I, that's a good point. But I can say this. I hate waiting. And for you guys that have a wait list. Oh, gosh, you hate me then. I, I can't stand like if I if I was to say hey Michael I need I want a how long is your wait list African Blackwood whatever <laughs> he just waved Barrett <laughs> off he didn't even want to don't even worry question. about it Barrett but if I'm going to get my checkbook it, it's better than it used to be <laughs> but like seriously though if if I if I called you and said I just want an African Blackwood nineteen and you said okay it'll be a year and a half I would be like uh what what can I do to can make I drive to your shop next month yeah. yes yeah can I drive to your shop. <laughs> And make it happen. And if you said, yes, I'm driving to your shop. So you would be amazed about- at the number of people that will hit me up, though, and say, hey, man, I'll give you an extra 100 bucks, or I'll give you 150 bucks extra if you'll move me up the list. And I tell them no. Like, really? well, why not? I said, because that's not how it works. Yeah. Number one, I've still got, I, I don't know, I'd have to look, probably 20 or so, 25 names on my list. Yeah. If I wanted to make the call... Or if I had the time to make the call, it wouldn't matter how much you wanted to give me. I'd just go out there and turn one off the list and be just the same. Right. I, I burnt myself out. And I've said this anytime I've been on one of these people ask me. I burnt myself out. I did in 2018, 2019, I went stupid. I, that's all I did. When the kids really? went to bed, I would turn calls to midnight. Every night. I may, I sold... Close to 200 in 2019 custom calls. That's a lot of calls. Wow. And it just, it got to where it wasn't fun. It didn't, I did, I didn't enjoy going out in the shop anymore. You and did that, that along with a full-time job. And along with a full-time job. And you know, being around a golf course in from May to September, I'm working 70 hours a week on the mm-hmm. golf course. And it just, it was, it, I thought that's what I wanted to do until I got to where that's what I had to do. <laughs> And it went from, this is really cool, to, I don't... Just fulfilling orders. Yeah, just... Yep. And, and everybody wants the same thing. And I, I, I know a lot of guys have talked about this. You go out there and you make a... Say, somebody wants a Buckeye Burrow with brass inlays and African blackwood tips. Well, I've done that a hundred times. I know what it's going to look like now. So it doesn't, it doesn't get me excited to go out there and go, man, I want to go see what this thing looks like when I get finished. Mm-hmm. As much figure as there is in a piece of Buckeye... Still a piece of Buckeye. Still going to have the same color. It's still going to look the same. 
So it doesn't it doesn't excite me. I get I get excited making calls for contests because I want to see how I want to do. I want to see how I'm going to rank and get some of the best call makers in the world. Um, that's what gets me excited nowadays. I, I just don't I don't. It's hard for me to get motivated to just go make a call. Yeah. So, well, see that I love the small shop quote unquote guys and the people that make custom calls like that's. That's really all I want to buy anymore is small shop calls because yeah. it it feels very personal to me. Yes. Okay. So I I would love to see more small shop guys in Stuttgart. So this contest that y'all've got absolutely it's the world's call makers so contest. World's duck call making. I have the so world's duck call making contest, um, and it will be my wife texting me. Hold on just a second. Yeah, well, priorities. Yeah. Yeah. We see where we break. <laughs> hey, got to keep Mama happy. <laughs> yes, um, it's the it's the world's duck call making. The world hold on, world championship call makers contest is what it's called, and it and we have the the logo goes along sort of with what the world's duck call the world's calling contest. You know how right, they have the right. So that I know you guys listening can't see this, but that's how we've. Uh, I think that's a good. So way it's to go. going to be a big cup, and we had we had kicked around a couple different ideas of the cup. Um, so one thing I know you guys probably haven't paid a whole lot of attention to these call making contests to some degree. Forrest has just a little bit. Um, one thing everybody always complains about is it's easy for judges who are familiar with the call shape to show to show a, a bias mm-hmm. in some way or another. If you get if you're friends with X call maker, you know what his shape's going to be. Mm-hmm. So if you're a judge and you pick up X call maker, you know who the you you know who it's going to be, yeah. and you're going to whether you do it intentionally or not, that that happens. Okay, um, I think the the calling contest in Easton last year did a really good job of trying to take that out of play because they gave everybody the same shape. It was a mm. like so when you entered that contest, you paid your entry fees and then you were sent. Uh, the material and it was a barrel turned out in a certain shape at a certain length and the insert was turned a certain shape at a certain length all you could do was chop it down to your dimensions and then cut the tone board drill it cut the tone board to your to me for sound that works perfectly but it takes all craftsmanship out of building a duck call because that that call was turned on the cnc all you have to do is chop it down and cut the tone board and make it sound like a duck right this contest to to eliminate the likelihood of there being a bias, a subcon- an unconscious bias, what we've decided to do is each year with this contest going forward is to pick a call maker from the past, have them to be the the call maker that we're honoring in this contest each year, and for everyone to use that shape. So everyone and it, and it's cool. and it's not to be an exact shape, mm-hmm. but if we pick. Thurman McCann. Look up Thurman McCann's calls. Get an idea of what his call looks like, and then try to make maybe, something maybe as your, a, your interpretation. Your interpretation of yeah. a Thurman McCann. Yeah. No hmm. markings on the call, so you can't put like I can't make a Thurman McCann and put a blue MIG sticker on it or a, new, a blue MIG band on it and have my logo on it. That's right. It's right. not going to work. So we did three categories: a wood category, an acrylic category, and then an open category. And each, it'll be the same call maker every year. And another thing this does too is there are 
tons of call makers in Arkansas alone. There's a bunch. That are unbelievable call makers that nobody knows anything about. So this would encourage call makers of today to do a little bit of research, a little bit of history, yeah. and study some of these older guys that made it possible for us to do what we do. Let's be honest. The, me, any, any call maker, I don't care who you are, any call maker now would have nothing to go off of if it weren't for the guys from the past. Right. If it weren't for Alvin Taylor, um, I mean, gosh, a mighty uh, sugar. Uh, the, Dixie, the Dixie Mallard guy. Chick Major. Chick Major. I've got Chick one of his Major. out here. Yes. I mean, you know, Butch, Rick Dunn. There's so many guys from the Stuttgart area alone. You know, all the guys from Clarendon that were making calls back in the day. Mm-hmm. That made it possible for – well, those guys made it possible for Butch and Rick. And Butch and Rick and Alvin Taylor made it possible for, you know, Mike Stelsner, um, John Kep, those guys. And those guys carried it through to where – Guys like myself and Will and Colton and Travis and that bunch could do something with it. And in my head, we're simply just trying to carry that through for the next generation of whoever whoever that may be. I like the, it. The Forest Carvajals of the world. One day. And stuff, and stuff oh, like that. It's coming. So, so what are you going to do with one day, say 20, 30 years from now, your call is the one everybody has to make theirs look like? Oh, gosh. How would you feel? Uh, 20, 30 years from now, I hope I'm still competing in that thing. <laughs> okay, well, fine. <laughs> fine. I'm not that old. That I didn't say you were old. I'm just saying it's going to take time. They're not. It's not going to be four I, years I from now. They're going to say Michael Meredith. I think we've got plenty of calls to go through before we get to where they'd be, even be looking at mine. Okay. What if one day... <laughs> 60 years from now when you're a cyborg or something. <laughs> I, think that would, I think that would be something cool for my kids to see. Yeah, yeah. that you know, would that'd be, be cool. That would be something for the, for the boys to be like, hey, that's my dad. They're, yeah. they're honoring my dad, whatever the case may be. That, that would be cool for me. I mean, I, I don't figure I'll be around in 60 years. That's probably past my time. But it would be cool for my kids to, <laughs> to, to see something like that. I think that would be really cool. I'm anxious to see how it goes because, like I said, when I go to Stuttgart this year, I hope I'm competing in Worlds. But if I'm not, I'm going to Stuttgart to watch Worlds. But I have something else that I'm interested in because I'm really only interested in the calling part. But if I can go look at calls and kind of, you know, be in that realm, Mm -hmm. that's just something else for me to want to do. That whole thing was based around the calling to begin with. Yeah. You know, as far as I'm aware of, it started based off the calling contest, and then mm-hmm. it grew to the the other aspects of water fouling and all that stuff. So it it only seems fitting that it gets back to the calls and the calling and and the the genesis of what got it going anyway. Yeah, I'd love to see it look like. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been to one to the archery trade show. Like you walk in, you have your main floor, and it's got all your your main people right. that you know. So that's kind of your main runway. And then right. off to the side, you kind of have your like your up and coming stuff, your stuff that's mom and pop kind of yeah. getting out there into it man that was a place i love to go you could go in there and you see some stuff you're like i don't know about this or you see something go dude this is going to take off and it's going to be crazy get so, on board yeah. now and hope for the best yeah, yeah so yeah. i mean i'd love to see it like that like hey what's the what's the next thing in waterfowl that's you know just sitting over there off in the corner that you know some yeah. guys like i can't really put it in max or i can't do anything other than put it on my facebook page but i can go to this show in Stuttgart, and i know i'm going to get x amount of eyes on it you know and and there are so many guys now one thing with the availability and and i i I don't think the the call makers are competing like like i said earlier i want to i want to go to these contests and i want to win so that i can i can tell these guys that i beat them last year but it's not like 
it's not in seriousness. Yeah, I talk it's, to, it's I not talk in to a most cruel of these, way. Yeah, I talk to most of these guys pretty regular. Yeah. Consider them to be some of my best friends. It's a it's a competitive, but it's a friendly competitive. Yeah, just banter between friends. It, absolutely. Yeah. And and there's so many of us that are willing to help the next up-and-comers. Mm-hmm. There's so many guys now that are using that to their advantage as call makers. They're making unbelievable calls that you've never heard of. Something like that would give people a chance to come meet them, blow their call, and – and be like, holy cow, this guy I've never heard of, but he makes a really good call. Really, I, there, there are tons of those guys. I totally agree. I mean, I had, if I wouldn't have known about your calls, and I had I not come out to your shop, I mean, I wouldn't have known how outstanding. You don't get enough credit, in my opinion, for the sound of call that you make. It's, it's a really good sounding duck call. Thank you. Thank you. All right, I want to I want to jump back because we touched on it and we 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 glazed over it, so we made mention of what uh what makes a timber call oh and the difference. <laughs> so I I want to because I, I, I think uh I think Michael had an opinion that I'd like to hear. I, again, I think you and I talked about this in the shop when you were we up thought, there. We we. When I went to your shop, I think we were there. I got we there like a lot 8 of, o'clock. We covered a lot of stuff. Midnight or something just like talking. That. Didn't really get a whole lot accomplished. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we got a lot of accomplished. So, fun. In, in my head, and I, I'm no sound engineer, you guys got all that stuff going up there on the board there. Um, <laughs> sound travels better in an open environment. Mm-hmm. So if you're hunting on a river, if you're hunting in a pothole and there's no woods around, mm-hmm. that sound's going to carry. That would be the ultimate place for me to want a quiet call because when there's no trees, there's no nothing to soak that sound up, you can hear it for forever. Mm-hmm. In in my mind, in the woods where you're hunting timber, heavy timber, that sound doesn't get out of those trees as much. So you would want a louder call to me to get that sound to work. I mean, granted, most of the time if you're working birds in the trees, they're not just way high, but it's still – it takes more to get that sound out of those trees right. up to where those birds can hear. Mm-hmm. So a timber call to me, I would think, would make sense to be a little bit louder. I don't know if they call it a timber call because chances are you're working them close to the treetops and you're trying to work them in. But either way, to me, I'd rather have a, a loud call that I can blow quiet is a quiet call that I try to blow loud and it doesn't have <laughs> enough volume. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't work yeah. well. I, that, that's my take on it. I think you hit the nail on the head. I remember listening to, I can't remember if I watched it on the Rich and Tone TV or if I was listening to an R&T CD, but uh, Jim and John were both talking about it. And Jim was saying when he's in the woods, he's like, I want them looking for me. Yeah. I, I want the call to be loud. I want them looking for me. And John said when he's out like in the rice fields, I guess he used to hunt rice fields more than he did the timber. But he said there's so much for them to look at and pick out that's wrong yes. that he wanted something quiet to just over here they look at the decoys over here they look at the decoys that that's that so he used a timber call quote unquote timber call in the open water in the rice fields whereas when it went to when they went to the woods it was more like the daisy cutters back in that yeah. time yeah and those guys used to trick those daisy cutters out back in the day too i'm sure they did they yeah <laughs> They did all kinds of things with those things to make them louder and more aggressive and add rasp to them. But, I mean, Daisy Cutters one of the best-selling calls out there, I'm sure. I mean, I blew up yes. for a long time. Yes. That's what I started, really. Like that's That was the per- that was the sound I wanted to make when I started really trying to mask. Like I had a, a fluorescent yellow uh, half scroll yeah. that got stolen. 
Uh, and that ditto. Was, that was that was the call I wanted to I wanted to make a call that sounded like yeah. that. Yeah, we talked about that at your shop. I had yeah. the same exact call. Mine also got stolen. Yeah, there's a thief out there that's he's got a bunch of them. Racking up on one of them back. I just want mine back. You keep four. Keep four. Call a palooza. He's gonna have a table. That's right. That's right. I want a big sign that just says I want my call back. Oh, so are you a 12 gauge guy or 20 gauge? 20. 20. Yep. How long you been shooting your 20? A couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. What do you got? I've got an 870. I shot my son's last year a couple of times. He's got a uh, Charles Daly, a little youth model mm-hmm. Charles Daly. And I, if he didn't go, it was in the truck. So Dang. their bullets are cheaper, easier yeah. to come by. A lot lighter and easier on the shoulder yes. for sure. I want to I wanna try to find a like a – I don't know that I want to. I think they make a Super Black Eagle three now and a twelve and a twenty. Mm-hmm. But I would rather I would rather buy. Uh, what do they call them? The M three M two M two. Well, I've got an M two twenty gauge. If you want to borrow it, sometime. You just want to borrow it. If you just want to borrow it. I have to go with you, but you know, yeah. if you just want to borrow <laughs> it, I shoot an SX three twenty, and I I really like it. Hunting in the woods, especially, I don't mm-hmm. see any. Now, one of the days we hunted in Oklahoma, we hunted in a field, and the wind was howling. Yeah, and one of the, my buddy had a twenty gauge, and he was just he was struggling. Yeah, um, I was glad I had my twelve gauge that day. Real quick, we're getting short on time, I think, but you brought up something that I'm kind of curious about. You could touch on it just real quick. There's so much about don't steal the tone board design. Don't steal the tone board design, okay? And you just said, I wanted to get the same sound or a similar sound to the daisy cutter. Yep. What's the difference between copying the sound as copying a tone board? A whole bunch. You think so? Absolutely. Okay. A lawsuit. In my head, there are a ton of ways you can you can tweak a call to get the sound you want. See, that's how little I know about it. Without copying the tone board. Okay. There's a, there. you know, I don't know how you could ever prove that somebody copied your tone board anyway. I mean, even, even, even if, and I'm going to say Will because I know Will well enough that he's not going to get up. But even if Will makes a call and it sounds just like mine and I take it and I stick it in my jig and it matches up perfectly, how can you prove that he copied my tone board? I, I totally agree with that. I just wanted to bring that up because that's something that has bothered me is people complaining about somebody stealing a tone board design. I think but, it happens. I, oh, I think it happens too. And I think there are certain... Ooh, I'm gonna, I'm, Uh-oh. I might get controversial here. I think there, there are machinists all over everywhere that sell tone boards to people so they can be the next call maker. I mean, you're probably right. I'm I know I'm right. right. <laughs> <laughs> I won't, I won't name any names, but I know I'm right. It happens more than people realize. Really? Yes. Hmm. Well, that sucks. But hmm. I, I was just curious about that because there's, you mentioned me. I do want to make my own call yeah. eventually. If I sell one, great. That's not my intention. I want to make my own one to kill ducks with yep. it. Okay, but I will never hear the end. There are sounds. <laughs> there are sounds, and there are certain ways that certain people's calls handle that are that, similar that I want mine to have. Absolutely. Like, for example, and I don't. I might get myself in trouble, but I'm just being honest. I like the bottom end of an RM. I like the sound of that of a CWF. Okay, I like the bottom end. <laughs> you kind of give a look of like. Okay, whatever. But I like the top end of other calls. Yep. Okay. Now put all of those together. And that's what I want to try to do. I'll give you one. I love the sound of a Layers T1. That's another call I that I like. I cannot figure out how to get it. 
it's very interesting that for me, and we're going to jump off on this duck call thing real quick. Tyler and Barrett are both looking at us like, oh boy, here we go. They're, my eyes are glazed over. They're ready to finish that bottle of land to go to bed. Pouring more <laughs> An RMCWF and a Lairs T1 or hybrid, whichever one you want to talk about, the tone boards are super similar for those two, are two of the most used yes. meat calling contest calls. Yep. But their tone boards are Completely drastically different. different. Completely different. I mean, they are... Very different. Both great sounding calls. I know. I, I'm I'm more of a fan of a pothole or an alpha. Yeah, really. Yep. I've never blown an alpha. I've blown the pothole, and I like. I mean, I, at your house. Yeah. And I liked it. Uh, I'm not. I don't. The gold digger is too much. Uh, hadn't blown that one. I, I, I don't know something about it. Cold weather fans a good call. I don't care for that. The the gold the gold digger. I don't care for the FTM. The pothole is a solid call. The cold weather fans are a really good call. The alpha is a really good call to, to, to me, just the way I run a call. But uh, like I said, there's sounds of those that I like that I would like yep. to try to mix. And I think that's part of just call making. Yep. And anyhow, y'all's glass are glazed over. I think another along the same lines, call shape is another thing that people get up at arms at really quickly. Over. I think that's harder to make a difference it's in a, than a freaking tone There's so damn many different mm-hmm. shapes out there nowadays. Regardless of what you do, you're somebody's going to be like, oh, I made that shape 15 years ago when whatever, and I quit making it, so you can't make it anymore. I mean, like I said, I'm not going to be making mine initially to like market them, right. but I have been in the house drawing different shapes of duck calls, preparing for yep. making my own. Like, what can I make mine look, to look different? Because I still want it to look good. Yep. I don't want to make a call that's ugly. That's just personally me. Even uh, names. Colton Thompson's first call that he made, he called the Rook. Yeah. Spencer Halford's first call was called the Rook. Really? I didn't know and that. And that's how I met Colton. I said, hey, man, I know you don't know. You're a new guy. It's something you might look into. Spencer had a call. He called the Rook early on. You might get a hold of him and see what. So him and that's how him and Spencer got to talking to with the name of that call. And I, I think no Colton's changed that. his name on his call a little bit since then, but his first call, he called the Rook. And but it was, was a J-frame though, yes, right? Yes. Okay. And that's what Spencer called his J-frame. I've got a okay. hand-turned Rolling Thunder uh, J-frame at my house and on a shelf. <sighs> I will say, he showed me some of his collection at his house and I was pretty much speechless for about 10 minutes. I was pretty jealous. <laughs> Most of it's hedged too. That I, that's we talked about that. It's one of my favorite kinds. Do you guys have any more questions? Yeah, before you get out of here, uh, we I haven't was, made it I to was, his list. I mean, no, I mean y'all list. been hitting the list. We, so we can make this a two part episode. No, we need to. y'all doing all right. The only thing I had left is I was I was creeping on on Facebook and I seen he had a dog named Woody and I seen all the that's right all we, the we awards yesterday. He passed his last hunt test to get his uh, HRCH title. Really? Yep. Nice. Awesome. Nice. Yep. So, I mean, tell us about Woody. What is he? Uh, he's a chocolate lab. Chocolate. Um, there's how much time do we have? Half call. Oh, I mean, you just you just go. We'll make so, it work. So, I had a I had a dog about three and a half years ago. I had to put down. Mm-hmm. He was eight, seven and a half years old, and I don't know what happened. He had some kind of nerve issues. His his whole like he couldn't walk. His whole body shut down. I had to have him put down. I had a gentleman from Texarkana reach out to me. Um, I try to with my my mid custom calls page and my Instagram. I don't do a whole lot of family stuff. Mm-hmm. If I take the boys hunting and we have a good hunt, I'll post a picture of the boys or something. But it's it's usually waterfowl related calls. My dog. Everybody likes to watch. You know, everybody. If you're oh, yeah. a hunter. You like dogs. So 
So at the time, I was writing for uh, Joey Hip on the, his American Waterfowl uh, blog page, and I wrote a couple of pieces on having to put my dog down and and what he meant to my family. And I had a guy who was a call. It was a dog breeder mm-hmm. from Texarkana that called me. He said, "Man, I read your your deal." I've got a litter of puppies that we just had, and I've got one dog left of it. Out of that litter, I would love to sell you this dog to to take the place of your dog that you're having to put down. It was a uh, black dog. The bloodline on this dog was insane. His dad is a seven-time uh, Grand Hunt and Retriever champion. UKC Hall of Fame, just stupid bloodline. It didn't work out. Whatever it was, that dog didn't have it. I couldn't mm-hmm. get him to – I spent a ton of money, put him through training, sent him to two different trainers, and he he wouldn't do it. One of the guys that trained him said, hey, man, I bought this dog with the intent to raise and sell as a started dog. It's a guy that I grew up with. I grew up with his kids back home. He's a dog trainer. Um, and he made me a really, really good deal on my chocolate dog. Mm-hmm. And he is a freak of nature. You can't you can't wear this dog out. He will he will fetch from the time he gets up to the time you go to bed, and that's all he wants to do. Mm. That's it. So the difference in the dog that I had, I named him Clyde. <laughs> that's a great name. <laughs> so I named him Clyde because I, my wife and I were going Christmas shopping one day. And she said, what are we going to name this dog? And I said, I don't know. Clyde sounds good. And she said, I'm not letting you name that dog Clyde. <laughs> and I said, so, well, his dog's, his name is Clyde, just, just because. So that was, that was how his name come about. But Clyde wouldn't fetch. He had no desire to pick up anything. And then you get Woody, and Woody is all about it. In the snow, when we got the snow, I had him at the house. And I'd get them out and feed them and let them run around. I've got the boys have a dog that's a worthless, but it's their dog and they love that he's a he's a coon dog and he wouldn't he won't treat the squirrel that runs around in our yard every day. But um, he when we went to put the dogs up, I usually keep three or four bumpers by the pen and I'll I'll throw him bumpers for fifteen or twenty minutes every day so that he's doing something. He dug one of those bumpers out of the snow and would not go back in the pen until I threw it for him for 10 minutes. That's all the dog wants to do. Um, I feel like he's going to be a fantastic duck dog. I think we killed 50, like 53 birds this year. He picked every one of them up but one, and it's because it landed in one of the guy's lap when it hit the water. He just reached down and picked it up. Yeah. So Well, I seen it on your Facebook, and I was like, I need to ask about that. Yeah, we got him here. That's and, old Woodrow. Yeah, and then speaking of duck dogs, Forrest, you're fixing to send. Uh, make it do if, all. if it works out, we'll we're gonna send him off. Uh, Clay Morgan uh, reached out to me about possibly trying to salvage Hank. <laughs> That's gonna be his <laughs> name if he makes it. Good word. <laughs> oh, salvage. salvage. We're gonna come try. Well, we're gonna we're gonna see. We're, we'll see what happens. He's um, a boykin, isn't he? He's he's something. <laughs> He's supposed to be a Boykin. I think he's part <laughs> hyena. He's he's a nightmare. He's got he's a wild nightmare. streak in him. He does. But we talked for a little while on the phone the other day. He really sounds like he knows what he's doing. He really sounds like he knows Boykins. Uh, he sent me a video of his dog. His dog is outstanding. Uh, so we'll we'll see if it works out. I'm I'm hopeful that it will. Uh, I mean, if 
Worst case, he'll send me a message and say, hey, your dog's broke. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll bring him back and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll figure Send him down the road. It, it somebody happens. Else. <laughs> I mean, the, the dog I had before Woody is a perfect example of it doesn't matter. You can mm-hmm. do everything right, everything right, and it still doesn't always work out. In your well, favorite. I mean, I will say I've tried to do everything wrong by Hank, and he still picked up more birds than I expected him to this year. So Very, it's not the dog's fault. It's no, no, no. I'm not, I'm not blaming the dog. I'm totally blaming myself. It's it's all my fault. Uh, Tyler and Barrett got to see him the last week in the season, and it was – he got worse every hunt. Got uh, more amped up about He it. got more amped up about it. And when I was talking to Clay about it, he was like, yeah, usually when you get a higher-bred dog that really has some drive that wants to do it, if they're not trained uh, – in from, obedience from well, the start. if they're not trained in obedience well, you'll see them get worse and worse mm-hmm. and worse. And he's he, the way he explained it is much more eloquent than what I did. <laughs> but I, he was right. Like, he explained my dog without ever seeing my dog. Yeah. So I was impressed with that. So he's got the drive. It's just reeling it all in and getting well, him to. Oh, well, let's just say this. The last hunt of season, I was like, we're going to give him some Benadryl. So I gave him half a Benadryl. <laughs> Can we talk about that on the air? Yeah, absolutely we can. Somebody wants to take him from me? Go ahead. Come on. Let's see what happens. Call Pete. I dare you. (laughs) So he he had half a Benadryl, and I spent the entire hunt, both hands on his collar, and him between my legs while I was sitting on a a freaking chair, holding on to him, listening to him whine and whine and whine. You want me to tell you the easiest way to fix that? I don't have a 22. Just tie him to a tree. He was also tied to, to the him. blind. We were in a blind. He would have tore it we down were, and took it with we him. We were holding the blind up. It was, <laughs> so I, I'll tell you this. The, the first couple of times I took Woody and him, when I got him, he already had his HR title. Right. So he knew what here he'll sit was by far. I could run him on a blind retrieve. I mean, he hands the whole nine yards. He still wanted to break first time ducks come in and hit the water. Oh, yeah. And, and I looped him, put him on dog stand on tree and just put a rope around him and put a leash on him. Oh. So, <laughs> listen, you'll, you will get a completely. He just hang a dog is all he would have done. You will get a completely different dog back. Hanks, I think it was his. You want to put my, money on that? Absolutely. <laughs> I don't even know who the trainer is. And if he's any good at all, I bet you he gets a completely different dog back. I think it was his fourth hunt. We were in Texarkana hunting with my buddy Zach, and I had Hank tied to a tree. If you tell me he pulled the tree down, it's still no, no, it wasn't very long through the hunt. Well, he chewed through the leash. Oh, gosh. Okay? So he's loose. All right, well, I'll tie the leash back together. You know, tie both ends back together. I hook him back up. About 15 minutes later, well, he's chewed through it a second time. So now I can't tie the leash tied or tie the leash short enough without him being hung to the tree. <laughs> So, so I'm like, put him okay, on a coat rack. I've got, I always carry decoy string with me to use in case there's a duck that's out too far. I can't get it if it's too deep. I'll yeah. tie. You gonna lasso? To it. You gonna rope? Yeah, pretty much. Basically, I'm you, you know, rodeo star. Too? I am. He's got his chaps. Yeah, I was. I was an, an extra in Yellowstone. Actually, <laughs> did you play one of the kids or something? <laughs> Listen to this guy, man, he didn't miss a beat. <laughs> I was in the midget seat, if you want to be honest. He says he's not a cut-down guy, but yet he is. <laughs> Shoot low, boys. They're on Shetlands. <laughs> Anyhow, I tied him to a tree with decoy string. 
You know what it sounds like when decoy string pops? <laughs> sounds like a twenty two goes off, and that's exactly what it sounded like when that dog broke that decoy string. You want to know why he broke it? No reason. He just <laughs> didn't want to be tied up. He just didn't want to be tied up. Have you put an e collar on him? Uh, yeah, the e collar was on him at the time. We watched. Keep this going. Dog, we watched this dog drag his nose through the dirt because you were on him with an e collar. Like up. I mean, just locked up. And then he looks up at me like, "Is that all you got?" Oh gosh! Yeah, this is a this is a at best forty pound Boykin. I'm talking about this dog is he's got that low center so, gravity. So he just goes. He's, he's got, got the attitude of a chihuahua. You know the chihuahua. Yeah. Listen, I put the pinch collar on him. That's how we work with heel sit yeah. stay. He will fight the pinch collar. Like there's been times that I'm like I'm gonna have to let the pinch collar go. Or he's gonna rip his own head off. He's insane. Solve your problem. Anyhow, he's, well, that's true. He's getting the boys cut off here in a couple of weeks, I think. So we're going, we're going to see if that fixes anything. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. Well, quit being a fool and he wouldn't have that happen. The, the boy that I hunt with out in Oklahoma, my dog one day, um, I, had him, I had him sitting behind us probably 10 or 15 feet on his dog stand. And the first bunch of ducks come in, we shot into them. I let him go, and he picked him up. The second bunch of ducks come in, and when they hit the water, he was at my here, you know, at my he healed. And we shot into him, and I was like, I, I didn't care for that, but I, I I missed it, so I didn't get onto him. The third bunch of ducks come in, and I just put my gun down. I was watching my son, and I was watching the dog. He come off of that dog stand and took off. Before he hit the water, I stood him on his nose, and just <laughs> lit, lit him up. And he went back, you know, and didn't have any more trouble after that the rest of the day. He didn't break, but I was like, I don't want to get him in the habit of breaking mm-hmm. yeah. at all. That's, you know, it's easy to get a dog hurt really quickly and a bunch of guys that mm-hmm. get excited. And we started back to the house, and my buddy goes, man, you do realize you run more electricity through him than John Coffee, right? <laughs> I, was, I was like, saved his life, though. I guarantee you I did. <laughs> Never had a bit of trouble out of him the rest Barry of the year. Barry did the same thing with his oh, dog, boy, too. Yeah. Oh. Now, He's got to wear him out. You say that. Mine, the last day of season, went off through a field chasing birds because he, <laughs> if he sees a Tweety bird, all hell's going to break loose. And I did the same thing. He looked like a horse, like, bucking out there with his head down because I was on him. on him out there, too. And uh, when I let off of him, he kind of looked up, saw the birds, kept going. Oh, gosh. And I had it turned up as high as it'll go. I'm going to get Peter on me after this. But, yeah. you know. Me and you both. I got him back. He didn't run off. He's not dead. He's still alive. Man. He just <laughs> has a was... tick now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like he's got Tourette's. <laughs> Tourette's. Oh, oh shoot. Uh, okay, so my favorite thing to do is, is I, I, we love to hear, what is your favorite story to tell? Like, when you're sitting at camp – and you you got some guys you've never met before. What's what's your go to story? Oh goodness. Um I I guess I guess the dad in me always wants to go back to telling a story about one of my kids. Mm-hmm. You know. Um their first deer or uh, this year, this year out in Oklahoma. I I mean I you 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 guys kids aren't quite old enough to to get into it, but I, I brag on my old my oldest especially because he's he's had enough trips under underneath his belt that he knows what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you won't find an eleven year old that handles a gun any better safety wise and all that stuff. So I can I can sit behind him safely and watch him shoot, and not worry about him doing anything stupid. I've got him 
you know, in the, you know, here's your window. When we get right. set up, here's your window. This is where you shoot. Don't shoot outside. And I never had to worry about him. The first hunt we went to Oklahoma this year, we we set up in a spot where we normally work birds into at that at, at the hole. And my friend brought a couple of older gentlemen with him. And those guys walked up there and sat right in the middle of the hole. Like the best spot. You you always tell right. like, that's that's where you're gonna mm-hmm. kill. It's like I've got an eleven year old kid and you guys just cut a kid off. I don't plan on shooting, but dang that Yeah. So we tried working in there and we shot into one bunch of birds and um the wind was wrong. We just couldn't get them to finish. So we moved. And when we moved, I knew what those guys were going to do. So I grabbed my son and I walked up there and I set him right in front of this hole right there where if they come in, he cleaned house. <laughs> <laughs> out, outshot these guys. These guys were shooting holes in trees. He killed a double. The first bunch that come in, 11 years old, he killed a double. And in his third shot, he winged the third. So he hit three out of three. And then somebody finished the third bar. He cleaned house that day. And those guys were like, where did this kid come from? <laughs> I don't know. We just, when you grow up on a farm in the country, you, you shoot. That's what mm-hmm. we do. But he cleaned house. That's my, you know, if I'm going to tell a story, I'm going to brag on my kids. Don't, don't cut the kids off. Yeah. I don't say yeah, that on kids. Yeah. So they didn't, they haven't been back. It aggravated my buddy enough. He's like, I, I saw that, but I wasn't going to say anything. Yeah. And then when I, when I moved, I call my oldest, his nickname is Bug. So when I moved Bug over there and we got set up and he shot in that first bunch, he killed two just that quick. My, my friend was like, we're not, we're not bringing those guys back. That it aggravated him enough that mm-hmm. it, he wasn't, it's kind of, I don't care who they are, how much they pay me. They're not coming back. They could, you cut a kid off. Yeah. We're done with it. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's a good friend. Yeah. I well, like it. Yeah. And we talked a little bit about how good of a shot your son is, but my so that doesn't really one, surprise me. My oldest one is deadly. Yeah. He's, he's 11 years old. He's killed. 12 deer. <laughs> well, then I've killed. <laughs> and he only killed one this year because I couldn't get him out of bed after the first week deer season. It's too easy. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's spoiled when it comes to deer for sure. Oh, well, guys, it was fun. We had a blast tonight. Michael Meredith, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, guys. You guys uh, go find MIG cu- uh, custom calls and, and check them out. Uh, I have a feeling we're probably going to be blowing some next season. But we're going to get out of here tonight. You have a good one. Catch y'all later. Don't forget to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, or wherever you find your podcasts. Thanks for listening.